Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by Ashika Dalmia, the senior analyst with Reason Foundation and a writer for Reason Magazine. She's written a piece about how minority groups, minority groups who were targeted really by Donald Trump during his presidential campaign, might be the key to preserving constitutional limits on government power and individual freedoms over the next four years. It's a really interesting argument, uh, and I think it'll be a really interesting conversation. And we, of course, will want you to be part of it. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, About half past the hour, we will get to that conversation. Up front, though, I want to talk about lame duck. Uh, In Lansing, lame duck has come to be a four-letter word instead of just two four-letter words. Uh, It's like a single one because of the frenetic and often destructive, in my opinion, uh, behavior that we see out of legislators when they feel freed from uh, the accountability to the electorate, uh, this this weird window of time after an election and before a new legislature takes its seats, uh, lots of legislators figure, well, now I'll go do all the things that I might not have wanted to do if I had to face voters again uh, in the fall, we've seen some really profound legislation take hold during these periods in the past. Uh, 2012, of course, was the most dramatic uh, when after the election uh, and we saw uh, uh, six uh, ballot proposals, referenda fail from uh, f- on a wide range of subjects, uh, we saw the legislature go and put uh, right to work through uh, through the Capitol, almost as an answer to what unions had tried to do with those referenda. Um, uh, we saw it again in 2014 in a smaller way. Uh, but then this year, uh, we are again back to a pretty long list of legislative uh, aspirations, I suppose, uh, that we're starting to see uh, in, in, in Lansing. And this has become part of uh, the, the, the argument about how our legislature works. Um, uh, what is it? What you know? What is it that we expect out of legislators in terms of being responsible for the things that they want to do? Proposals uh, this time of year move at a really rapid pace with little vetting, almost no public input. Uh, and often uh, we also see some measures become what's termed a Christmas tree, bills that have several lobbyist back provisions attached to them that aren't really related to the, the main subject of the legislation. Uh, and they are, you know, lobbyists are really aggressive about trying to get those things through uh, at this time because then they don't have to answer for uh, the things that are, that are being done. Joining me now to talk about this year's uh, lame duck session, which is just underway, is Rick Pluta, the Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. So uh, frenetic is the way I described uh, the the lame duck uh, in general. Uh, Talk about uh, this year. How frenetic, I suppose, I should ask you, is this likely to be? 
Um, well, it will be frenetic, except when it's not. That you know, for example, we are seeing a, a teacher retirement bill that seemed to be on a, a very fast track that suddenly stalled in the face of uh, opposition, not just from uh, teachers' unions, but also from school districts themselves that say that uh, this is too much, too fast, that it hasn't been properly vetted. And considering the fact that we're going to see you know roughly the same configuration of elected government next year—a Republican governor, a Republican House, a Republican in Senate, that there's really no reason to uh, to uh, rush through it right now. Yeah. Um, that that is one. Now we've got another one that's moving today that does something similar with. Um, municipal retirement. Right. Um, and, and what it does is it takes all new employees and puts them into a 401k instead of into a um, hybrid 401k pension system. Mm-hmm. And the reason we have this 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 hybrid system, and, and remember, I'm a journalist, not an actuary, um, <laughs> is that the upfront costs of funding a pure 401k system are, are just really immense. It has to do with how the funds have to be um, invested. And so the Snyder administration, you know, which, you know, where our, our governor is a CPA, has been um, has been very skeptical of that. And, and that's a lot of the uh, controversy that's that's uh, that's surrounding this. But as is often the case, you know, for example, with the right to work law, that especially on the municipal side, this has been put on the agenda by a group called the West Michigan Policy Conference. Sure. It's a group of Grand Rapids area business people who. Um, have taken a big interest in government and its uh, functions. And at their uh, conference this year, there was a lot of talk about municipal retirement costs and underfunding of the uh, pension systems, which is why we're hearing about that now. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, th- th- that is sort of puzzling, I guess, about this attack on uh, the idea of pensions is the fact that Governor Rick Snyder has spent – much of the time that he's been in office trying to right-size uh, those those pensions, especially in the school context. Uh, MIPSERS, which is the, the school pension fund, is in far better shape. Michigan Public School Employee Retirement yes, uh, System. Uh, that's that's, that's right. where the acronym comes <laughs> that's from. Right. That's where it comes <laughs> from. Uh, you know, it's in much better shape today than it was when Governor Snyder took office in 2011. He spent a lot of time and diverted a lot of funds trying to help school districts get in better shape on that to, to now say, well, let's scrap that, which, by the way, also uh, would cost the state a significant amount of money. And I'll, I'll have you explain that in, in, a, in a little bit. But but what's the? There seems to be a disconnect there. Am I wrong about well, that? Well, and and that's one of the arguments about this is that the groups that are that are trying to blockade this are are saying you're fixing a problem that's not a problem at least not right now. It's not that there's no sense of urgency about it, but. That's the beauty of lame duck, that uh, you've got a bunch of people who are leaving, that that changes the political dynamic. It's the furthest point between now and the next election. And uh, it's often seen as a time when um, you can wrangle votes for things that you might not be able to wrangle votes for otherwise. That's yeah. also why we're uh, seeing some elections-related stuff coming up in, in, in lame duck, basically yeah. the same dynamic. Uh, talk about this cost, though, of the, of the pension proposal. That's one of the things that I know is, is helping to put the brakes on this, is that this wouldn't be 
this wouldn't be a free conversion for taxpayers. Right. You would have to, in, in order to make the targets, and again, like I said, remember, journalist, not actuary. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that, but I will, I will explain it in simple terms because that's the only way I understand <laughs> that's, it. That's uh, good enough. <laughs> uh, which is um, basically um, in order to meet the targets to um, offer a roughly equivalent benefit that it would cost a lot more up front to invest the funds that you would need to invest. Right. That, that there's just a, the, this, this hybrid system is considered to be a smoother transition by the people who are, are backing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Rick Pluta, the Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. We are talking about the lame duck session in Lansing just underway. Uh, is it going to look like uh, 2014, which was a sort of subdued version of this interim session of the legislature? Or is this going to be more like 2012? When we saw legislators, nothing will be like 2012 <laughs> right. for a very Rick long had to stop time. Me there, I suspect right? <laughs> uh, 2012, um, of course, when we saw uh, uh, right to work rammed through. Uh, right to work was moment. rammed through with no committee hearings. Yes. It was made referendum proof, and just just people crowded into the state capitol to the point sure. where, using you know something of a ruse, they basically closed the building to try and. Uh, clear it out. There were crowds of people on the lawn. There was law enforcement on, on, on sure. horseback. It was, I mean, it was just an incredible spectacle. Lame duck while um, it's it basically a, a, a very loud but small spectacle, you know, largely contained within the, uh, with, within the state Capitol dome with uh -huh. a lot of people uh -huh. with a to-do list. And some of it is partisan and some of it is just, uh, individual interests that, uh, you know, they've spent a long time trying to put together the coalitions. Sometimes they are partisan, sometimes they are bipartisan in order to get their particular issue through. And this is their last best chance before the new session starts. And they have to start over, um, with a, a new freshman class to try and uh, accomplish whatever their goals are. Right, right. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, uh, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think of these so-called lame duck sessions where uh, legislators rush sometimes through legislation that they would never really propose or vote on uh, during the regular sessions because they might fear the backlash of voters. Uh, should we should we have these kind of sessions at all in Lansing? Should we should we have legislators refrain from making law in this time or making significant law in this time? Also, uh, here's a question: um, Does this argue or does this get into the question of whether we need a full time legislator legislature at all? I've lived in two states where uh, part-time legislatures were only around for a few months a year, and it avoided this kind of uh, frenetic uh, sort of inter interregnum legislating that uh, that we see here in Michigan. Should we not allow uh, legislature uh, the, our legislature to do these kind of things and and not have them around for this time? Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number. Three one three five seven seven. 1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into 
the conversation. Let's go to James in Rochester. James, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. My question is whether or not there's been any discussion regarding closing off the defined benefit type programs for other constituencies, such as state police, judges, and so on, in addition to teachers, because I understand the motivation, of course, is to shore up Michigan's pension plan. Uh Um, But it seems like, once again, teachers are being unfairly targeted yeah. yeah, with this particular legislation. James, Thank that's, a, you. that's a great question. Thanks for the call. Uh, Rick Pluto, as we talked earlier, this this one proposal is about uh, teacher pensions. But but uh, right. as you said, there is another proposal, uh, another bill that would deal with municipal pensions as well. What about what about these other uh, categories of state employees? Well, that's what. Well, and and um, the state police have their, you know, that that these are bargained in collective bargaining agreements. Right. Um, you're asking me to reach back and think of that I believe <laughs> that the state police do have a um, a pension program. I think they do. That's, yeah. Uh, that that that's uh, um, difficult to touch for um, a whole bunch of you know for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, that that they've just been very effective at. Uh, lobbying for their interests. But uh, certainly, you know, police and firefighters would be affected by the uh, municipal retirement bill that's that's currently before the legislature. Yeah. Uh, th- this argument... And, of- and I should also point out that that, um, that uh, judges do have their own retirement fund, and they are very, very protective, protective of, of it. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's... I think that gets to the larger question here. I mean, I, everyone talks about this as though uh, state employees or, or public employees are somehow different in the way that they might have concerns about their retirement than the rest of us are. I mean, everybody, of course, is, is focused on, well, am I going to have enough money to, to maintain my standard of living when I stop working? Uh, am I going to have enough money to, to last as long as I'm going to live? And it seems like that, that issue takes a back seat when we talk about uh, municipal pensions or public pensions because we think, well, we're paying for that. Uh, and, and teachers, well, I think, uh, often, uh, I often hear from teachers, look, why, why should we be any different from anybody else? Well, in the case of the teachers, there's a responsibility because the state manages the, um, you know, manages the fund. Right. But yeah, you run, into, you, you run into a dichotomy where the legislature is acting, you know, in the name of saving taxpayers' money. Now, they also say they're acting in the name of ensuring that the retirees, you know, get their pensions, that they're helping them. But it's kind of interesting. They're acting, they say, in the interests of future retirees who are saying, hey, no thanks for the help, please. Right, right. Um, Leave but, it alone, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to help? No, please, please, please don't. Um, that, um, you know, municipal governments are looking at things, well, and, and counties are, are looking at things like uh, employee recruitment and retention. And this isn't just in, in retirement plans, for example, that um, sometimes it's a local, it's it's a... Um, uh, anti-discrimination policies against uh, LGBT empl- employees and things like that, yeah. that the legislature weighs in and the local governments come back and go, you know what, you're, we've, we've got our own interests and you're not helping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Michael in Farmington Hills. Mark, Michael, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, good morning. Hi, hey. Stephen. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, I, had a, I had a comment uh-huh. um, Hearing the discussion this morning uh, reminds me of a conversation I was just having with a 
a family member about our state that since um, since 2010, now that our state is so heavily gerrymandered towards um, partisan position, the representatives don't really represent us anymore. They represent their own special interests. And I, I think our state needs to have a, uh, a nonpartisan commission that would establish our congressional districts so that we'd have representatives that would actually have to debate issues that that impact all of yeah. them. Yeah, Michael, uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, you're absolutely preaching to the choir on my account there. Uh, you know, I've been uh, an advocate of a different system for, you know, drawing legislative maps for, for a long time, uh, dating back, in fact, to the time when I worked as a journalist in Maryland, uh, which is also a super heavily gerrymandered state, but gerrymandered in favor of Democrats. Uh, the, they have uh, drawn a map that makes it almost impossible uh, for Republicans to win all but one uh, congressional district in that state when, uh, you know, there are, there are lots of other uh, Republican constituencies that that could have their own their own seats. The, there are other states that are trying this. I mean, Arizona is a great example of one. Uh, California is also experimenting with it with a little less success, I think, than Arizona. But but you talk about a non-starter uh, here in the state of Michigan. It's a really difficult thing to get anyone to really focus on. And the immediate charge, of course, is that one side wants to do it. Uh, to prevent the other side from having an advantage, and that the you know that the exercise itself would be partisan. Um, but Michael, thank you very much for yeah. for calling well, you know, making that point. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, uh, John Bebo and Ron French and the uh, people over at Bridge Magazine um, have done a lot of work on this. I don't remember the uh, numbers specifically. That there are certainly parts of the state where there's there's just a natural built-in partisan advantage that West Michigan is going to send Republicans to the legislature and going to send Republicans to Congress. Mm -hmm. Detroit is going to send Democrats to the legislature you know, and to Congress. But in the middle, there's kind of a, 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 a wide swath of um, districts that would probably be sending someone a lot different to Lansing in terms of um, philosophy, um, motivations, and interests uh, if the uh, districts were squarer and uh, more contained rather than um, built around computer programs that can, you know, look right down to the household to uh, try and, and meet particular partisan goals, um, which is what happens when you have uh, one party in power in the House, the Senate, and the governor's office during um, the redistricting processes, which is what we've had the last two times around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Cindy in Port Huron. Cindy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey. Uh, first of all, I want to say I agree completely with what Michael just said. And... Um, but what I called about was uh, it, if President Obama cannot get a Supreme Court justice on, approved in the last year of his presidency, what can the state legislature, what should they accomplish as Lane Duck? <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great analogy. Uh, we've, we've had an empty seat on the Supreme Court for several months now because Congress... The Senate has said because uh, the Senate, right, uh, has said they they will not uh, even hold hearings for Merrick Garland, who is uh, President Obama's pick. And they said, look, uh, this would be giving him an unfair advantage uh, because there's an election coming up, and there's somebody new 
who is going to be in the White House. Uh, why wouldn't, I guess, that's a great question. Why wouldn't the same logic hold for Why wouldn't you apply the same policy to lame duck sessions to yeah. everything else that the Congress and the legislature yeah. do when yeah. they're under Republican control? Yeah, yeah. great question. Uh, Interesting Rick, point. Uh, yeah. um, Chuck, uh, uh, a caller uh, who, who could not stay on the line, wanted to know if there's any look in Lansing at legislation that would change the way we do recounts. Uh, uh, there's, of course, a, a debate right now about uh, whether it should be possible for a third-party candidate uh, who got very few votes and and who would not be the beneficiary of a recount in all likelihood, why should yeah, that person kind of interesting be able that to, if, to, to, to force one? A, f- a few years back, the uh, legislature uh, you know, went back and, and made it a little more difficult and a little more expensive to uh, conduct recounts, although now I guess they might be looking at it, uh, Republicans at least, and going, maybe not quite hard enough. Right, right. But, um, but it, those, you know, the... the, the I mean, will this recount re- maybe inspire some last-minute legislation, again, that, that would come in and, and, and change those rules? You couldn't change them... For now, but but yeah, I don't think you could do it for now, right. and so I, I I would tend to doubt. You know, anything can happen in lame duck, but I would tend to doubt that they would tackle it for a whole bunch of reasons that they haven't started looking at it already. You know, when we look at these pension reforms, for example, that these are things that have been you know planned and plotted for quite some time. It seems to me, at least, this would be a uh, um, a brand new project, and it wouldn't fit into what the immediate situation is. Yeah. You know, we're not going to have another presidential election for another four years, and uh, we might look at something between now and then, especially, you know, since recounts at this level are becoming slightly more common. More common, sure. That, 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 that we might want to take a look at it. Yeah. We might also want to take a look at the other end at maybe a... Um, 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 a bigger system for auditing election results, uh, you know, once the elections are over, yeah. so that uh, there's more confidence there's more in, confidence in, in the, the result that the count is right. Sure, yeah, uh, because I mean, people are. Le- we, we were talking to a um, an elections expert yesterday who's um, on board with the Stein campaign's request for a recount, but uh, he's a, the, uh, the U of M uh, cybersecurity professor who was part of that New Yorker article that launched all this. And uh, he said that, you know, I mean, you could, you could do a, a forensic audit where you just take a whole bunch of ballots, run them through the machine, and then go back and check and make sure that what the machines have tallied, these optical scan systems, match what we've seen on the ballot without having to go and count five million of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, Rick, I want to ask you about the the voter ID uh, mm-hmm. issue that is again coming up. Of, Classic lame duck uh, in, issue in our yeah. in our legislature. Um, this this always seems to me like a solution looking for a problem because uh, the, and, and whenever we debate it in Lansing, we hear really outrageous claims being made that that just don't comport with the things that actually happen. Uh, we don't have massive voter fraud. We don't have uh, massive voter error, voter count error, uh, or any of those things here in the state of Michigan. And yet the legislature is uh, insisting, or parts of it at least at this point, are insisting that we need tougher requirements to let people vote. Yesterday I Without- saw that some county clerks are saying th- this new bill would make their lives uh, much more difficult and would disenfranchise lots of people, not just in 
urban areas, but uh, but in rural areas where clerks' offices are are harder to get to and mm-hmm. open less frequently, um, is that and it would and it effect? would it would prolong elections because yes. what would happen is if you went in instead of signing an affidavit saying you know that 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 you are who you are and remember you know it used to be that you could walk in with something like a utility bill. Right and and, and show, show people that this were. is your name and your address that and that was considered uh, sufficient. We we we've certainly come quite a distance um, since then. Um, and what this would do is now instead of signing an affidavit, is that you would be handed what's called a provisional ballot that would not be counted until you went to your local clerk and showed them an ID that proved who you are. Right. And a lot of these local clerks are saying, well, that'll just prolong elections. That you know, when this is done, you get right to work. You know getting into the official tally, clearing up problems and discrepancies and getting that data over to the uh, state. And now it's another 10 days before you've got all the, uh, you know, before you've got all the votes in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's there's that. And without editorializing on the wisdom of toughening or not toughening voter ID laws, I think it's sort of interesting that here in Michigan, as we've got this recount underway, we've got, you know, the state Republican Party arguing that the results are sound, the election was fair, and this recount is a waste of time. And you've got Republicans in the legislature suggesting that there's some skullduggery going on that needs to be that needs to be fixed yeah. that uh, their 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 messaging at least on this is not consistent yeah okay rick pluta capitol bureau chief of the michigan public radio network uh try to stay cool up there while all of this <laughs> unfolds over the next few weeks this will all hey, wrap up to be somewhere uh, this will all wrap up before before too long, right? It's the first couple yes. of weeks of December when, when they finally mm-hmm. go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and, and a lot of the things that we're talking about as possibilities will wind up hanging fire into the, uh, into the new term. Right, right. Okay, uh, we will talk to you soon. Uh, up next on Detroit Today, will immigrants to America be the protectors of the Constitution under a Trump presidency? We'll talk with a journalist who believes they might be. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Mm-hmm.